As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. We're the fourth winningest franchise in the league since 2000. All right, that means in the upper quartile of winners, we're in the top quartile of that upper quartile. That's rare air. Hello and welcome back to the Upper Quartile Podcast. I am your host, Jim Aiello, and I am joined by the Athletics Indianapolis Colts beat writer, James Boyd. James, you got to, I mean, I, I don't even know. Where, I, we were just talking right before we started. It's hard to know where to start with this game. It was all over the place. It was it was madness, like the the chaos of of and the momentum shifting back and forth. And again, I'm not even like coherently speaking because that's kind of what the way this game felt. Like it wasn't even like it wasn't pretty. It wasn't ugly. I would say it was somewhere in between. It was just chaos. But you know what? Colts win again. Colts are in the playoffs now in in that seven and five spot. Um, they have control of their own destiny if they if they can keep winning games. And they're on a four-game winning streak after a three-game losing streak early in the year. I mean, everything's good in Colts land right now, right? Everything's good. I mean, when you see Gardner Minshew dancing in the locker room after yeah. the game, <laughs> when you see Michael Hemant Jr. just launch the ball into the stands after his game-winning score, when you see just so many guys who contributed to this win feel so good about it, it was a fun locker room to be in for sure. Shane came through um, after his – speech and after his podium stuff to kind of pat a few guys on the back again and just lets you know how uh, they feel. And then you got some guys who, you know, get out of there pretty quickly. I know Matt Gay, congratulations to him, is having, I believe, his first son. Um, so oh, he cool. got out of there super, super quick after the game. Yeah. And I was wondering, well, why the heck is he leaving so soon? But, you know, get a win and go have a baby, not not too bad. And then as far as uh, the team itself, you had so many guys just kind of lingering around longer than they usually do because they were so excited to just talk about oh, I made this play, you made this play, or here's what we're doing right now. And so it feels different. First four-game winning streak since 2018. I was covering high school football back then. So uh, a little bit different scene for me now. But um, I'll get your thoughts on this. We have talked so much about Gardner Minshew and the things he's had to sort of deal with this season and the like the ebbs and flows of that, the roller coaster ride he always puts this team on. But – you know, last drive of the game, down three, money drive. What'd you think of the throws to one? Alec Pierce, probably his best throw of the day, maybe. He had a few that were really good that day. And then the walk off to Pitt. Yeah, I mean, 
I, I, I just, okay, first of all, just to, yeah, the pit thing, I love that Shane Steichen not only is not afraid to like put the ball in Minshew's hand in that spot, but also just say, we got our, he's our guy. This is our, this is our guy. We're going to give him a matchup, which by the way, beautiful thing, like the fake pick that they did on that side of the things and then bust him over on the slant, which I think Pittman talked about in your story about kind of what he was reading on that too. But I just love that, that he didn't get cute. He didn't try to do anything, you know, as much as I love the Andy Reid chiefs, like when they get close to the goal line, you never know what the hell is going to happen. They're going to do something weird. This wasn't cute. This wasn't, you know, I, I I'm smarter than you. This wasn't any of that. That was Shane Steichen saying, I trust my quarterback. I got my best player on the field. I'm going to him. And I love that. I love that. And obviously, like you said, Gardner Minshew, the bomb to Alec Pierce that sets everything up. Huge for Alec Pierce. But as, as you said about Minshew, it's it's who he is. He's not going to be afraid to roll those dice. That's why you love him. It's going to be why you hate him on occasion. That He's going to hang out of the ball sometimes and, and sit in the pocket and get the ball knocked out of his hands when they could have had easy points, which we can talk about in a little bit. But it's kind of a live by Minshew, die by Minshew thing. But man, is he a lot of fun to watch. And you wrote about it, I think the second or third week of the season, maybe at Minshew, you know, you're watching these games. He is, he might be the best backup quarterback in the NFL. And again, backup quarterback, it's going to drive you nuts sometimes, some of the things that he does. But look at it. I mean, you look at the final numbers, threw for 300 yards, right? He, he two yeah. touchdowns. Yeah. Was, uh, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, he, he was good enough. And we could talk about some of the warts, which again, you wrote about in your story, but he got enough support from his team to overcome some of those warts and then to shine in that big moment. So here's one thing I'll hit on when it comes to Minshew. His ability to forget is, I mean, every quarterback needs it, but he really does have it. I mean, because he he comes out there sometimes, he makes some plays, and I'm like, what is that? Why'd you do that? Or you missed this guy. Or like you said, you hit onto the ball when, in my mind <laughs> – I sort of think it's going to be a bad play. As soon as he holds the ball for more than like two and a half seconds and he starts running around, I'm like the closing speed in the NFL. You know, I know a lot of fans enjoy seeing quarterbacks extend plays, but that is a very rare skill to have at the NFL level because of how fast the defenders are. So when you see Patrick Mahomes, you see Lamar Jackson, you see Jalen Hurts, you see Josh Allen, even, uh, you know, others when they're healthy, Joe Burrow extend plays. They're the elite of the elite. Like when you hold on to the ball, usually it's not a good thing. And so he held on to it on one play. That was part of my lead in my story. Um, the early fumble and just the reaction from the team was not to get on him, not to get mad at him. And then himself, he had like this little twitch of, ah, I messed up again, to going back out there and playing. And I think the clearest way I can kind of put this is that he has 13 total touchdowns this year and he has 12 turnovers this year. So, like, so it's been very up and down, you know what I mean? But he forgets, like, none other, and he goes out there and he plays. And the funny thing about it is, you know, when you watch, like, a game when he drive, right, one of the best questions you can ask, I think, is, okay, what were you saying in the huddle? What were you saying on the sideline before you go out there? And Alec Pierce was asked that question, you know, what did Gardner Minshew tell you all? And he's sitting there, and he's, like, you know, looking around and thinking really hard, and he's like, you know what? I can't really remember because he just normal. Like there was no rah-rah speech. There was no, you know, let's go do that. I'm sure he said something about, you know, let's go win it or something like that. But it wasn't anything, you know, that would be like some sort of movie moment. Alec was like, he just went out there and gave it another chance. And that's what I think he sort of embodies. He is the guy who 
goes out there and gives this team a chance. And that's what they've had every single week. And they've been capitalizing on, and I thought, you know, Grant Stewart had one of the best quotes about this team at this moment. And he brought it up unprompted, Jim, about Minnesota last year. He was like, that was the only other time that he felt like all three phases were kind of clicking like that. He was like, but then we let it crumble in the second half. We didn't finish. But he was like, this team had a finishing problem. We don't have that problem anymore. And I was like, wow. He was even saying earlier this year they had a finishing problem. But you go back to some of those losses, you know, against the Browns and other teams, you look at where they are now, they have grown in that area for sure. Because every game they've been in, they have not had some easy blowout. They haven't been blown out, obviously. It's been like, you know, just push and pull until the final two minutes. And then they find a way. So um, kudos to them. And I, what makes it fun for me selfishly is that I'm sort of expecting every week now that someone I haven't talked to, um, you know, regularly in, in a few weeks, will make a huge play and force me to have to talk to him. Because, I mean, Grant Stewart's been a really good special teamer throughout his career, but um, just my luck, he scores his first touchdown. You know, Nick Cross, who uh, has been struggling this year to get playing time, gets on the field um, on defense and on special teams, makes a huge play. Um, Tony Brown, who everyone wanted off the roster, you know, a month ago, he makes a huge play. And fun fact, because I knew you asked me about this in my story, for those listening, that was not a blocked punt. That was a forced fumble because Tony Brown got there so fast that they didn't have time to punt it. So it was officially ruled as a forced fumble. And it was funny hearing some of the uh, Tennessee Titans fans, and obviously not funny what the injury that happened to Ryan Stonehouse. Obviously hope he gets better soon. But the reaction from the fans was, oh, it's roughing the kicker. And it's like, no, 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 no. There is no roughing the kicker if he still just him the ball. You can light that guy up, which is what Tony Brown did. He smashed him, and then the ball got free, and they were, you know, back in business. So, um, you know, needed a break to go their way. Because of the injury to Ryan Stonehouse, the Titans had another uh, placeholder in there when they went for an extra point after DeAndre Hopkins, you know, game-tying touchdown, and they missed it. So it remained 25-25, and then I was like, all right, well, what, what, like everything I wrote, Jim, about like the last two minutes of that game got flipped so many times. And so I was like, okay, we're going to overtime. So at least I can just scrap whatever that had, but that was, it's right about the extra period. So, um, yeah, crazy game. It was, I mean, I, I kind of felt like the Titans wanted to give the, the, the Colts the game. The Colts didn't really want to take it right away. <laughs> that's what it felt like. You had the block punt, you're like game changing momentum. Uh, like that's it. And then you get the pick. Pick safety. You know, it's not a pick six. It's a pick two, I guess, that, that you get back on the other way. I can talk about that play. Yes, crazy play. So that goes back. You're like, okay, I guess the Titans kind of have the momentum. And then they go three and out, and they try to punt again. And like you said, it's not a block. It's just a, you just crushed him. They get the ball back, and then you're like, okay, touchdown here. It pretty much ends the game. They can't do it. They have to settle for a field goal. Somehow you block, and I put that in quotes because of what you said, two punts. You put yourself in golden field position. And you only net seven points. It's kind of wild. Like it, it really was just like a. It ended up all that chaos ended up being just like a touchdown, just like a, just like a touchdown for the Colts. It's so weird how that ended up working out. I will say though, like you talked about different guys stepping up. I covered. I mean, I didn't cover. I should say I'm the editor for the Colts, but I also edit the Giants, and I feel like this Colts team has a lot of similarities to what that Giants team did from last year that surprised everybody and made the playoffs, won a wild card game, like. There was just so many weird breaks that either went their way, but also they just kind of found these these interesting ways to win. Like you didn't somehow they would it would be a special teams player or a pick or a fumble recovery that you didn't see coming, or somebody like steps up on offense and they just kept finding these new ways to play or to win. 
I feel like this Colts team is doing that. I feel like that's they're they're almost like the AFC 2023 version of of the Giants. And again, you you don't think what's going to happen to the Giants this year is going to happen to the Colts next year. <laughs> they should improve. They should get Anthony Richardson. And it, I think you know again we don't have to get into that comparison very much, but it, it is just an interesting thing. And they they seem to be a team that is playing on momentum, playing on confidence, which I think is something that Alec Pierce brought up to you. I think it's you know it almost players say it so many times it almost becomes like you don't even hear it anymore. Um, like when they say how, how important confidence is, but it, and, but it's so critical, like to go out there, to believe you're going to win, to believe you're doing the right thing, to do everything at a hundred miles an hour, as opposed to doing it at, you know, 70, because you're making sure you're running the right route and you're taking the right amount of steps and you got the right depth. And if you're just doing your thing and you're doing it fast, you know, even if you're going to make mistakes, make them fast, but they're doing, they're playing with confidence playing fast and, and and they're winning games because of it and so it is it is uh it's a testament i think to shane steichen and, and to this what this coaching staff is doing um to, to find ways to overcome all the advert i mean again we're, we're talking about no anthony this was the dream scenario the thing that you the thing that you wrote about a bunch of times before the season was anthony richardson playing with jonathan taylor neither of those players were involved in this game like like they just they just weren't and the Colts are finding ways to win. It it is kind of just it's kind of just wild. Yeah, it really is. Um, they stress me because I feel like <laughs> I know what's gonna happen and trying to write my quick gamer, you know, to get something out there for the fans and the readers to yeah. digest, it is like, okay, somebody figure out how to, you know, win this game or lose it, whatever happens, figure it out so I can, you know, write it up. But I'll add, you know, I know you mentioned Pitt. The one thing that I talked to him about, or actually I talked to Isaiah McKenzie about, was what does it take to be that guy? Because, you know, he was in Buffalo. He was with Stephon Diggs. He saw what, you know, an undisputed number one receiver looked like. And that's what Pitt is sort of forcing people to realize, in my opinion. I believe that was his eighth 100-yard game of his career. Um, he's already had a couple, a few this season, I believe. I know it might have been back-to-back 100-yard games, actually. He had, yeah, back-to-back. He's got three this year and and back to back. Yep. Yeah, and so I believe they had some crazy Colts that where it was like him and Marvin Harrison are the only players in Colts history that, you know, back to back ten catch hundred yard games. Um, he just surpassed Marvin Harrison Jr. for the most catches through the first four seasons of your career, um, which obviously you know different league and things like that. But to be number one over Marvin Harrison Jr. in any category, I don't care what happened with the league, is pretty. Yeah, that's pretty good. But Mark Marvin Harrison. Exactly. But the great thing Isaiah McKenzie was saying was he was like, you know, the great ones, you know what's coming. You know the ball is going there, and it just doesn't matter. They're gonna win anyways. And I mean, like you said, Pitt sold the route to the outside, cut back inside, and then from there it's just it's ballerina class, you know, get the toes down, stay in, and he was fired up. And I think he's sort of unlocking another level that I didn't even maybe know that he could get to, to be honest. Um, really good player throughout his career. I never thought that he was a bad player. But, I mean, we have these debates. Is he a number one? Is he a number two? I think he's proving this year he's a number one. And, you know, for what it's worth, I'm not saying he's on the level of Devontae Adams or he's on the level of, you know, Cooper Cup when he was, you know, breaking all these records a few years ago or some of these guys, but – he can be your best wide receiver on a really good team. And again, you wonder what the offense would look like had it 
you know, been with Anthony Richardson and stuff that he could do to make life even easier on a guy like, you know, Michael Hayman Jr. and others. But um, he had a huge day. Obviously, the walk-up touchdown might be the biggest catch of his NFL career so far. Um, he talked about, you know, just feeling like he hadn't been in a, in a game that crazy since, like, the Rose Bowl when he was in college or something. So, um, you know, uh, it, it was a crazy game. And then we haven't even talked about, you know, probably the most unsung hero of the game, Alec Pierce. He had his moment. He finally had the game that he was basically brought to Indianapolis to have. Now, as you pointed out, Jim, he has never pouted. He will block his behind off. Um, he will always run a ton of go routes, even if the ball is kind of overthrown. And Gardner Minshew missed, you know, one or two the other day, but he hit one early and you thought it could be a day. And then he hit one obviously really late to help set him up. And I was teasing Alec because I was like, man, you're, you know, you're really slow. You didn't get in the end zone, but he, <laughs> but he was just saying like how, you know, uh, he knew his time would come and he has to be the most patient receiver I have ever met because Jim, he's the only receiver I know who like, wouldn't just kind of at least even just a little, little bit like Pitt did voices frustration. He's just like, I don't hear anything, which is, a good trait to have at his position and obviously with his role in the team. Yeah. It's not, it's like you said, he's not a social media guy, which is good. Kind of, kind of keeps you out of all that mess. Listen, not everybody develops the same rate. Like Michael Pittman was really good his rookie year, but not a star. And it took a little bit of time. Josh Downs is kind of figuring things out. He, he's gone through some lulls. Like yeah, you, the examples are numerous throughout the league. Alec Pierce is finding his niche. And you and I were talking about this on the phone yesterday. Like, he doesn't have to be a superstar NFL wide receiver. It doesn't even really have to be a number two NFL wide receiver for that pick to have made sense for it to work out for the Colts. What he needs to be is a good field stretcher, a guy that defenses have to respect will beat them deep, which he's proven. He proved twice in this game, right? Um, they have to, and, and he has to, and he has to block his butt off. He's doing all of those things for the Colts. And if that, that will make the number, the pick that they spent on Tim worth it. It's not going to be a huge slam dunk win for Chris Ballard or, and his staff or anything, but it will be a solid player that they can count on, who's on a cheap contract, that plays his role and does it quietly, you know, without without whining and 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 apparently embraces that that part of his role. No, again, I'm sure he would love to get more targets, more catches, but he's doing what he needs to do to help this team win. And he is having his moments. I think he's seeing what his work is paying off. So a lot of respect for Alec Pierce and the way he handles his business. And I know, you know, he talks to you. He doesn't open up very often about these kinds of things, but I think we, again, we talk about confidence. He mentioned it in the story. It's just, I don't think people understand how big of a deal it is um, to, to feel confident, to come off games like this. I would not be surprised to start seeing him stacking a couple of more games like this. Obviously a lot of things have to happen. For, for, for things like that to work out. Minshew's got to make an accurate throw. The, the coverage has to be, you know, he's got to beat coverage and there could be good cornerback. All kinds of crazy things happen, have to happen, but I could definitely see him stacking um, some good games. And, you know, we're, we're going to talk about the Bengals a little bit later, but if you watch the game on Monday night, you know, Jacksonville was going deep. They they thought there were shots to be taken against against that Cincinnati defense. And I wouldn't be surprised if the, the Colts coaches were watching and think the same thing. Oh, absolutely. And one thing I do want to mention, which wasn't on like a little itinerary we made up five minutes before the podcast, but that's okay. Well, we what you think, <laughs> yeah, what you think of uh, Shane Steichen's play calling and the, is it the reverse flea flicker where 
you have two guys touching the ball before it gets back to the quarterback and they go deep to Kyle, Kylan Granton. Like that was that to me, I was like, this dude is dealing. I mean, and he, he explained it. This is the most open Shane has ever been about any play call or scheme or whatever. He said they had the play call up, meaning it was on the play call sheet when they were in Germany. Didn't get the right look, check till I believe he said a run. And then they just kept it in like the rotation of like plays they might take a look at. And they got the right look and they, you know, smashed it against, you know, the Titans. So that to me is just another sort of wrinkle of just how his mind works. Because you think about Gardner Minshew, some of the limitations when you just have him drop back and pass, he's continuing to find ways to force the defense to give, give up something, you know, to give them a different look or give them, a different feel and, you know, credit to the Colts for executing. Now it doesn't happen, you know, they don't execute every single time, but I think back to last week with this play with Zaire, obviously on the huge fourth and one. And then this play to Colin Granson, where you, you know, you got Isaiah McKenzie, I believe was coming around. He takes it. He tosses it back to like Zach Moss, something like that. But I think, Oh, actually it was Moss to, you know, Isaiah McKenzie, then back to, uh, you know, Gardner Minshew for Colin Granson's, you know, huge catch. And Colin was telling us yesterday, uh, Colin and his snakes, by the way, he owns uh, some very interesting critters at his house. I will never, ever visit that place. But um, he was saying, like, similar to Molly Cox, well, said last week, the ball's in the air, just don't drop it. Just don't trip, don't mess up, bring it in. And, again, uh, a testament to Shane, man. I know we talked about it during the bye week. Oh, could he be in the coach of the year running? Dude, he might be the front runner at the moment. Like, or at least close to it. Obviously, I know, you know, again, you see what KLC did in, in Minnesota. You're seeing what D'Amico Ryans is doing with Houston, who just lost, you know, Tank Dell for the rest of the season. But um, if he's not, you know, leading the pack, he's definitely gained some ground. I'll, I'll put it like that's probably a safer statement. He's gained some ground in that discussion for sure over the last couple of weeks. And, and he deserves it. I mean, like you, the, the going back to the play call, I love the creativity. That That weirdly, this, like, Flip the ball to one guy, flip the ball to another guy, get it back to the quarterback. It's like the like the new like in thing in the NFL right now. I've seen a bunch of teams kind of run it. Um, I love it because you see what again, not to highlight the Monday night game too much, but you saw what happened last night when you let Tyler Boyd try to throw passes. He throws it right to a defender. Uh so getting the ball back to the quarterback to throw the ball is is a great idea and a cool concept. And I'm, i I loved watching the Colts do it. I've loved watching other teams do it. Here's the thing, too, about those kinds of plays. I think it's why you see. NFL teams bring in defenders to on you know, the goal line and throw to offensive linemen. It brings juice, man. It brings energy when you run those plays, especially when they hit. Like, and that is a lot of confidence. And it's a lot of fun. You're not just like you're not just trying to grind teams out. Sometimes you're probably you're trying to have fun. And again, you play looser, you play with more confidence when you're playing with fun. So, as as buttoned up as Shane Steichen can be, I, I I think he understands at least the concept of trying to have fun and trying to play with momentum and trying to play with confidence. And uh, I did watch that video the Colts posted on him the other day. Uh, you know, I was thinking that he had mic'd up game. It was, I laughed. He just, he's such a nerd. He just comes across as such a nerd <laughs> watching the game. But um, golly, golly, golly. <laughs> I know. It was great. It was great. I laughed. Like I said, I laughed. It's, he's got his own. Like, he's supposed to be from like what? Like California, the Sacramento area or something like that. I'm like, what is going on? He sounded like Philip Rivers. I know. I was going to say, it turns out. Sacramento in like the 1930s like he's just he's got that old-fashioned way of talking I, I I really enjoy Shane Steichen as a coach and as a play caller his personality I think I think there's more there so I'd love to see it come out a little bit but yeah he seems like kind of a fun nerd um 
I will say too, like going back to the Gardner Minshew conversation, I wanted to highlight something that you had talked about. He's done such a good job, Steichen, I mean, uh, of getting the best out of Minshew while trying to limit some of uh, Gardner's worst impulses. But I do want to highlight, because you, you brought it up, and I was able to pull it up on True Media real quick. Anytime he holds on to the ball for three seconds or more, Gardner Minshew devolves into one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. He's thrown four interceptions that way versus just two um, versus just two touchdowns. He's 29th in passer rating in those situations. It's It's one of those things where... If he holds onto the ball for three seconds or more, if he has to try to create, which he can do, don't get me wrong, but it it tends to lead to more bad than good. And so I think Shane Sykin has done a really good job. And I, I want to ask you how you feel about like and what he's doing, but he's done a really good job of limiting those impulses, limiting the amount of times Minshew has to try to make a play on his own and just trying to give him simple answers and simple plays. Now, the other caveat I want to ask you about is that becomes so much easier of a mission when you have a run game going, which which they didn't on Sunday. Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That was what I was going to pivot to next. You know, we can criticize Gardner, you know, for his decision-making, his throws, accuracy, all those things. But hardly any, you know, quarterback is not going to succeed very often if you don't have a running game to kind of supplement or offset some of the attention you're going to get. And I know everyone has sort of had this narrative, not really a narrative, it's been a fact. When JT's missed time this season, Zach Moss has filled in admirably. He's had some huge games. He has looked like a legitimate starter, not just a backup. He looked like a starter in the NFL. But the trade-off, you know, when you don't have that production like they didn't have it. Oh, this last Sunday, looking at it right here, Zach Moss, 19 carries, 51 yards, 2.7, you know, yards per carry with a long of five yards. That's not going to cut it in most games. And, again – we keep saying, because it's, it's true, it's valid. At some point, you feel like, you know, you're flipping a coin and it's going to even out. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be like this all the time. But we keep saying you cannot win games like this consistently. But the Colts are kind of giving me the middle finger right now. Like, you know, F what you're talking about because we're going to win them anyway. But, again, you can't expect I – mean, maybe you can at this point. I don't know what I'm saying because it's just so weird with this team. Like, you can't oh, expect Kenny Moore – to have two pick sixes in a game. Exactly. You can't yep. have you can't expect them to have two blocked punts or or two, you know, forced fumble block punt, basically two block punts in a game. You can't expect those things to consistently happen. And so um you just wonder, okay, if you don't get that extra spark and you need, like you said, to 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 punch in some of these touchdown plays, what where does the run game come in if you're it's gonna be non-existent? And um that to me was kind of the most alarming thing because for Zach Moss, that was his lowest output as a starter this season. I think he started, I want to say, 
He started about eight games. Um, I believe my, it might be around eight or six. I forget the exact number. But he started multiple games this year. That was by far the lowest output, especially for yards per carry. Um, and it just wasn't a good day for him. And you wonder, okay, if JT's going to continue to miss time, which I was told from Jim Irsay that it was going to be at least a two-week injury. So don't expect, you know, JT to be back out there um, after thumb surgery in Cincinnati. Um, and honestly, we don't even know about the week after that. We'll see. But I think that's when it becomes more of a, when is he coming back? Is he coming back? Those types of things. But for now, you wonder, okay, you survive, but how do you get that ground game going again? Because you need something to keep the defense honest because otherwise it's going to be really hard to, you know, put it in Gardner Minshew's hands and have him throw it 42 times. Like, I don't think that's a good recipe for success if you have him drop back and throw it 40 times. Um, now, he did a pretty decent job of that. Um, two touchdowns. You know, obviously he had the lost fumble, which was, you know, uh, not not ideal. But, again, like we talked about with Minshew, it's about mitigating sort of the disaster plays. And you do that by having a decent run game, which they just didn't have last week. So um, that's tough. That's tough for sure. Yeah, I mean, let's have a let's have a, a a candid conversation. Let's let's sober things up a little bit here. I mean, the the Colts are on a four game winning streak, but they've had to eke out a few of these wins against some bad teams. We're talking ten to six against against New England. We're talking thirty one twenty eight against a, a Titans team that's kind of you know going through some changes right now, kind of rebuilding twenty seven twenty over the Bucks. You know, they they did beat up Carolina, but as you said, it was kind of the Kenny Moore game where they had to rely on those two pick sixes. Like this team doesn't have. Uh, to me, a clear identity other than find a way to win, which is <laughs> all right. Great identity to have, I guess. <laughs> it is, it is, but it, that that identity is like very finicky. Like there's momentum in there, and and that can change a little bit, especially when you're playing against better teams that won't make as many mistakes. Which good test this week, I think. I mean, we could kind of transition into that, but I kind of think that the Bengals. Before we pivot, I do want to give a shout out to the defense. The defense. The, the defensive pass rush, those yeah. guys have been oh, balling yeah. out. So like before I, you know, kind of get on some of these guys for not stepping up, they've been consistent. Second week in a row that they've had, six sacks. Um, you look at Samson Ebukam, who's really come on as of late. He had two sacks. Quiddy Pay had two sacks. Before his Buckner had a half sack because he can't have a game where he doesn't get his hands on the quarterback at some point. <laughs> um, and then you look at, you know, I know – Everyone saw Shaq Leonard sign with the Eagles. Um, we're going to see what he does over there. Can he help them, you know, get back to Super Bowl, all those things. Um, but EJ Speed, who we knew was going to get more playing time without Shaq Leonard in the mix, EJ Speed had three tackles for loss, you know, against that team, against the Titans. And that was a team high. They had five as a team. Three of them came from EJ Speed. So, again, they're finding ways in their defense. Um, again, you, you wonder, okay, how, how do you give up a – you know, how do you get carved up so easily on the first drive, you know, by Derrick Henry? But then they they respond. And, again, as Grant Stewart said and others have said, they're finding a way to finish, which they just couldn't do last year. So shout out to the defense. They played pretty well. And Zaire Franklin, you know, this morning it was announced he's the Walter uh, Payton, uh, you know, man of the year nominee for the Colts. Won't get too much into it, but he has a ton of different things he does in honor of his, you know, mother, uh, his his foundation, Salisa's Angels, named after his mother. His grandmother was a big influence on him as well. Um, he does a lot in the community and does a lot on the field as well. So if there's anybody who's probably feeling good today, it might be that guy because the defense has stepped up. Um, he's obviously getting recognized for what he's doing um, in the community. And then he's 
They got the last lap. And I, the one thing I'll say, Jim, just kind of button it up as far as that game, they love beating the Titans because the Titans are known as like the big bad bully, you know, the team that the Colts couldn't beat for a while. Like physical, and, yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and when they were leaving the field, I saw this on one of the Colts cams when they kind of followed Pittman after he, you know, caught the game. I thought it was a great, you know, video design or whatever. Just follow him and kind of have it be this raw moment. And he turned to the camera and he was like, that's what you do. You come here and you bully him. And I was like, all right, like, that's what it felt like because that's what it was. It wasn't nice. It wasn't, you know, crisp. It was ugly and mean and weird. And it was kind of being a bully. So they, they were bullies and they bullied their way to a four-game winning streak. But now we look at can they get to five and what that would entail in Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned Zaire Franklin having a, a good day today because of being the Walter Payton man of the year, which is awesome for the Colts. Uh, but the other reason he's feeling really good is because he gets a big – 300 pound maybe one of the most underrated defensive players in the nfl sitting right in front of him uh for the for the net for the foreseeable future now in grover stewart that is going to be a huge help to this defense that did give up what is 177 rushing yards to the titans i mean it wasn't just derrick henry either doing the damage once he went down tyje spears had a nice day too so they, they do need him back they will get him back and they get going on both sides of this but the ground game is gonna be very important for both the colts stopping the run because Good as Jake Browning was last, you know, last night for the for the Bengals, they're going to want to try to take the pressure off them. Backup quarterback, they want to get the ground game going, so they need Grover Stewart back for this game is huge. And on the other side of things, I was just looking at the numbers. The Bengals are one of the worst run defenses in the NFL right now. They're I think they're sixth both in in run yards allowed per game. The Colts need to get the ground game going. It, it would be so nice for Shane Steichen and for Gardner Minshew if Zach Moss just takes over the on the offensive line. I should say just takes over this game and limits the amount of times he can make mistakes. Because like, like you exactly said, like it's really just about mitigating how many chaos plays Gardner Minshew is going to have. There's going to be a few of them. Some of them will go your way. Some of them won't. But if you can limit those and you can score points without having to get to those, so much better for you. So I don't know. I, I guess the thing I want to ask you about is when we were, you know, you and I were breaking down the schedule the last couple of weeks going, can they make the playoffs? Who are they going to beat? Everything changes in the NFL. We know this. Given what you saw last night, in, in, with the Bengals, how are you feeling? I mean, are you feeling like this is a game the Colts should win, or is it a game that yeah, yeah, it's hard, kind of hard to get a feel for? It's hard to get a feel for. Well, it's a cop out answer. I think the Colts can obviously win it. They believe that they can win it on paper. They should win it. But to me, it kind of shows how finicky. That's the word you used earlier. The NFL can be where you know you had to use too many cliches, but literally any given Sunday. A guy can have a day, and Jake Browning looked pretty confident in that game. This is a guy who was prolific in high school and, and was prolific. I believe he went to Washington, I want to say UW, um, and was their all-time, one of their all-time leading passers. In high school, he threw 226 touchdown passes in high school um, and was one of the best quarterbacks in all of California, has all these national records, and played at a, you know, a pretty you know, well-known school. It wasn't like he was at some 1A program just running up the score. Like He was a really good prospect. And so it lets you know the gap, I think, between that and being an NFL starter and even a guy like him who has all this on his resume. Um, I believe he, he went undrafted. You know, it wasn't a guy that was very sought after. But again, it doesn't matter. He's here now. He's playing pretty well. And I think for the Colts, they just can't relax, which I don't think they will do. But you just can't take your foot off the gas and think, oh, Joe Burrow's not in there. Um, this guy's maybe not him. No, you got to go out there and, and, and execute, which I'm sure has been the message this week for this team. And you what helps you execute is like you said, having that big old reinforcer in the middle, Grover Stewart, who um, 
just excited to hear his laugh and that southern drawl he has. <laughs> He's the best, um, man. I'll never forget last year when they were kind of reeling. I was talking to him about the season, and he was like – and they actually won in Vegas. And I was talking to him after that game, Jim, and he's like, uh, yeah, you know, you know, he's like everybody, you know, tripping, all this stuff going. He's like, he, he used the word commotion, all this commotion going on. I was like, only Grover would say commotion. And so that's probably <laughs> that's probably what he's going to make – that's probably how he's going to frame his, uh, his own um, – basically his own suspension. We're, we'll ask about it. Um, I can promise you that. We'll ask what he took, but at this point, it doesn't really matter. You know, he's back. He's in the facility. He can be activated and, and rejoin the roster, all those things. And um, it'll be a huge benefit for them because the run game, the run defense really suffered. Um, there, it was notable difference. They went 4-2 and two without him, but that run defense with Grover Stewart, you know, 3.7 yards per carry, 113.5 on the ground for the opponent when Grover Stewart was in there. When he was out. You know, yards per carry jump from 3.7 to 4.7 and yards per game jump from 113 all the way to 153. So 40 more yards per game. So, again, he is – he was having an amazing season last year, picked up right where he left off this year, and obviously the suspension kind of derailed some of that. But now he's back in the mix, and finally it feels like the Colts are getting the benefit of sort of an injury or roster or a suspension update. It seems like this team has continued to take blow, 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 and guys keep, you know, dropping. Even guys like, you know, Julius Brents, we don't know if he's going to be available this week. They they do know Grover will be back in there. Uh, I asked Shane about his conditioning and all that, and he was like, he's a pro. So um, I would expect him to be starting, you know, come Sunday. So huge, huge uh, benefit for this team as they head to Cincinnati and uh, – I sound like Bill Belichick, on to Cincinnati – where they can try to go continue what has been a really cool ride. I got a question the other day, Jim, like, oh, if the Colts, you know, keep their hot streak up and somehow get to the AFC championship game, you know, would we see Anthony Richardson again? Which, I, yeah, I, I said the same thing. I said, woo, at that. And then when they said Anthony Richardson, I, I like busted out laughing. Like, no, Anthony Richardson will not play in the game this season. He will be, he should be good to go timeline wise for the beginning of next season. Um, you know, I know he'll be suiting up in 2024 for the Colts as their starter. However, just enjoy this ride right now, which has been one of the most uh, cool stories in the NFL, I think, overall. Because, again, last week I'm talking to Ronnie Harrison Jr. This week I'm talking to Grant Stewart about his first touchdown, I believe, since college. Um, or it might have been his first touchdown. I, I know his first touchdown of his NFL career for sure. Um, talking to Nick Cross about, you know, staying ready and having his moment. And so all of those things kind of helped this team. Uh, get to this point and now like you said they control their destiny it's in their hands now there is no more oh if this person loses i mean dare i say it if they if you win you know you went out that helps but if you win you know three of these next games next few games you, you, you're that's that's 10 wins 10 wins probably gets you in there um no doubt about it so um you know you got this game coming against cincinnati you got you know the steelers you got the falcons you got the Raiders and you got the Texans. That's the rest of it. That's the end of it. And all of those games are winnable. And not to, you know, jump too far ahead, but Houston's taken some injury, you know, hits, you know, over the last few weeks. And not to be, like, shrewd, but it is a reality. That affects their chances of winning football games, obviously. And so, to me, it feels like you've been given sort of this bad hand for a while. Now you can kind of pivot and look at some of these other teams, and they've, they've been dealt some, some tough hands as well. And you have to capitalize on that. That's what the NFL is, quite frankly. Um, you can't feel sorry for a team because they lost their guy. And I know the funny thing about this team right now with the Colts, because Gardner mentioned has been starting for so long now, but 
they got their backup in there too. I was gonna say they've been doing so, it. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, they, yeah, they've been doing it with their backup. I I just wanted to highlight the thing that you were saying about the schedule and and being in control of their own destiny. They're playing teams right now that are fighting for their playoff lives just the same as they are. Right. So they got. Like Houston's in there. They're the eight seed now. Pittsburgh's the five seed, right? The Bengals just got the six and six. They're the 10 seed right now, but are still very much in the in the hunt. The Raiders are still in it at five and seven. I mean, they're not out. They win a game or two coming up here. They're right back in the mix. So they're going to be, there's, there aren't any, and the Falcons are leading the, I mean, it's the NFC South. It's not very good, but they're leading the NFC South. So they're playing all teams now from here on out that are legitimately fighting for playoff spots. So it's not a hard schedule in terms of, you know, you're playing elite teams, but it's not going to be easy either. I mean, and, and you mentioned control your own destiny. You are going to be playing the teams that you need to beat to get into the playoffs from, from this point forward. So the other thing I, I got to I gotta at least say is because I don't think we've talked about it in a while because I think you and I, you know, last couple of weeks have barely made the jump to like, oh my gosh, this team, wild card, this, is, this could happen. I have to bring up the AFC South now because they're yeah. one game in Jacksonville. And we don't know right now what's going on with Trevor Lawrence. I mean, it, it's the report I saw this morning is that it might not be as bad as as it looked, which is great news, by the way. We don't, we don't wish bad things on anybody. Any And again, Trevor Lawrence is such a pleasure to watch that I hope he's back. But if he misses a game, misses two, whatever, and they're only one game back anyway, like, I don't know. There's, there's definitely reason to at least hope that the AFC South is still in play. That would be... What a bow that would be to put on put on this season if they are able to eke out or sneak and kind of snag that AFC South title. But again, this is what these guys believe they can do. And it's not just about getting it. I think a few weeks ago it was like, can we make it realistic? And now it feels like, you know, can we get in? And then you have like if they, you know, if they get a chance to go down there at Cincinnati and win, then you start to think, can they, can you actually win this division? After starting off, now it does hurt that they have the tiebreaker. Um, well, they lost the tiebreaker basically to the Jaguars, who swept them this season. That's 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 hard to overcome. That obviously they have the same record. Like if the tie happens, it's going to go to the Jaguars. However, um, you have that that seed planted in your mind of this is what we could do or become. And so um, I'm excited to just keep covering this team, man. Um, obviously, I really enjoy my job, and it's been especially enjoyable. Not because of the wins necessarily. Like, winning just honestly makes the job easier at times. But it's because of the way they're doing it, because it gives you a chance, like I said, to just talk to so many guys and get their perspective on I thought Grant Stewart's perspective on Gardner Minshew was really cool. He was like, being a backup linebacker, yeah, I want those moments as well. I want to, you know, get in there and make the plays. So he says, even I see a guy in a different position doing that, and he's like, on the, at the hardest position on the field, no less, that's really inspiring. And, you know, Gardner Minshew, for better or worse, he's going to make you, you know, scratch your head sometimes, but he might make you dance like he was in the locker room. And so um, that, to me, is always the, the cool part. And then seeing Shane sort of unbutton in, like, those locker room videos they post where he's got a little more fire and edge because he is so subdued. Um, even after that game, he was so chill, and I'm just like, no, there's something in there. And I would just say, as far as things that are coming on our end with the athletics, stay tuned. I got some things I'm working on, some stories I'm working on about some very important figures within this team, this run, this season, and obviously what they mean for the future as well, even beyond this season. So um, with that, um, I got no nothing else to add, Jim. I'm just excited to get on to Cincinnati in the words of Bill Belichick. I, okay. I did. I mean, it's up to you. But I, I did promise you a little open mic night here with uh, – Oh, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> 
It's not a question. I'm just going to say two words and you go. Are you ready? Tyrese Halliburton. Top 10 in the NBA. <laughs> Top 10 in the NBA this season. Okay, I put this out there last night. And everyone was like, oh, he doesn't play enough defense. I don't care. When you have offensive output like that with the efficiency that he has and have that seize it moment, he's top 10. And I will say he played better defense last night. If you can stay engaged, all those things, he's a really special player. And, um, yeah, I was joking with some of my friends, like, I got to check and see if my Pacers credential has expired or not because I might have to, like, <laughs> blow some dust off of that when, um, you know, the, the, the cold season, whenever it ends, you know, could end in the playoffs, whatever happens. But I definitely um, will have to, I just feel like I'm obligated to at this point, seriously, to do something on the star that is captivating this city, uh, which, I mean, not to get too far on a tangent, but it could be filled with a few young stars. Already is. You know, you got Leah Boston with the Indiana Fever. You got Anthony Richardson, obviously, who looked like he could be a star with the Colts and had to stay healthy, obviously. Tyrese, who's already a bona fide superstar like Aaliyah Boston. And then, you know, the Fever have, the best chance is 42.2% to land the number one pick, and that would mean Caitlin Clark comes to town. So, um, yeah, it's exciting times here in Indianapolis beyond just the Colts beat, what the Pacers are doing, winning the first, you know, end-season tournament, you know, quarterfinal game or whatever, and, and the full court and all the things that are happening. So I have been uh, really enjoying myself as a writer covering a team and also sort of just sitting back and being like a fan and watching Tyrese Halliburton, who is one of the best human beings ever, go off. You know, uh, I mean, he went head to head with Jason Tatum with the best player. So, I mean, this is the guy who just went to the finals a few years ago. So to see, you know, what he's doing this year, Tyrese, that is special stuff. So I'm get off my soapbox now. But anybody telling me he's not top 10, you know, get out of my face. He might be top five, arguably, this season. Um, and I'll even leave it on this. I understand Steph Curry exists. He's a great player. But right now at the moment, today, whatever it is, Tuesday, December 5th, he is the best point guard in the NBA right now, the way he's playing. Better than Steph, better than everybody else. At the moment now, who I trust in the playoffs more, obviously that guy over in the Bay who is amazing and is, in, and is just a straight killer. But that's how good Tyrese has been, seriously. Like averaging 25 and 12 a game and, you know, first career triple-double last night. 50-40-90, the efficiency. I can go on and on, Jim, but, oh, my goodness. Like this, this town, this town, Indianapolis, is making me pretty happy these days. And uh, I'm excited to be here and uh, kind of documenting it all. Oh, I love that. We should do open mic every time. That was beautiful, man. Well said. There you, like, go. <laughs> I, you got me all pumped up. I'm not even, I'm not even in it yet. I'm all like, I want to drive back and come watch some games. Like I'm, I'm ready. Like that was awesome. <laughs> here we go. All right. Well, we'll get back to the Colts. I promise next time on the upper quartile podcast, but thank you for joining us through this one. We'll have plenty more as this team makes a, makes a, a surprising, but kind of fun, very fun push for the playoffs.